Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Arison Matakos. Hope everybody's well. We're back again for another week of speaking about football, speaking about the football that has happened, speaking about the football that will happen, um, that could happen maybe, should happen, um, <laughs> if, that, if, if that makes any sense. Hope everyone is well, as always. Hope everyone has enjoyed the glorious week slash weekend since we last spoke um a lot has happened no i was gonna say a lot has happened not a lot has happened in the footballing world a lot, some some things have happened which we'll definitely touch on um there'll be there's, there's a cup final on on the weekend which i'm nervous about um i probably should have worn I probably should have worn my chelsea tiles for it but oh well, we'll, we'll rock there we'll rock the england for those playing along at home this is england the away kit in the around about 2014 era, 2014 World Cup, that type of that type of realm, it's the away kit, the home kit, away home kit, England's home kit's white, yeah, home kit. Um, it's got Daniel Sturridge on the back for those playing along at home. Don't ask why. Um, don't ask why I've got an England away kit, an England home kit from 2014 with Daniel Sturridge on the back, but I do, and I'm wearing it. So there you go. Um, but yeah, hope everyone is well. As always. Um, I've been, I've been, I've been good. I've, I've been ticking along. I've been getting through it all, getting through all the football as much as humanly possible. Chelsea played at four thirty um, on on the weekend, and I didn't wake up to watch it because it's four thirty in the morning, and I value my sleep. I really do value my sleep, um, and my, and not only my sleep, my sleep schedule, my sleep schedule is something that I value a lot as well. So um, I woke up at like what was it ten in the morning, and I watched the mini match, the mega mini match. So I didn't watch the in- entirety of the game, but I the forty five minute mini mega match. Oh no, the mega mini match um, is is a brilliant feature in Optus Sport. So I watched that got my heart broken when Rodri scored but oh well is what it is get a point away against City you take it you definitely take it um but yeah that of course happened Victory of course played and we're gonna I want to speak on Victory a little bit more in depth later on because that derby was yeah that derby was was something wasn't it um yeah that, that derby was something it was a good atmosphere good atmosphere but Look, I mean, we'll touch on that. We'll definitely touch on that a little bit later. But before we start, before we kick things off, I kick things off. I implore you all to subscribe to Two Foot Attack Podcast on YouTube. Um, I yeah, I implore you all to subscribe to Two Foot Attack Podcast on YouTube. Uh, notification bell, like the podcast, share it around. That would mean the world. Obviously, all the audio platforms as well. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Anchor. Um, I uh, of course all the yeah, audio, all the audio platforms. Give it a five star rating, a subscribe, a follow, a like, or whatever it is. And of course, all the socials, Two Foot Tackle Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter um, for all your Two Foot Tackle podcasting needs. There we go. Um, anything else I need to plug, mention, say? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Apart from the fact that there might be less content, maybe not less content, probably the same amount of content there was last week actually but on Saturday and I'll touch on this when I go to the cup final I'll be watching the cup final from Perth Australia because the WWE and I'm a I'm a big wrestling mark um the WWE is coming to Perth and I've decided to fork out the money to go and watch it so um this will be my my second interstate trip in two weeks and my third in like two months 
Um, so I'm traveling here then everywhere these days. So thankfully, I'm, 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 I've kept my Mondays free. I've, I've always been able to keep my Mondays free. Although, in saying that, I do get back from Perth on next Monday at like 1, I think it is. So I don't know exactly how that recording is going to go down. Um, whether or not I do it on Tuesday but I work on Tuesday, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. There'll be a podcast next week. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, let's kick things off. And there's a, there's a couple of things I want to um, I w- there's a there's a couple of things I want to speak about, definitely. And that is, and let's go through the run sheet. Let's go through the run sheet for for today. So we'll be speaking on the A League as well, of of course. And we will be touching on a lot of A League stuff because a lot of a lot of things have happened over the last two weeks which I haven't covered. So I wanted like a big wrap up on those. And the Premier League, obviously some um, dramas happening in London, some dramas happening in Manchester, and obviously a League Cup final to, to preview. So um, let's t- let's start with a club that I don't really speak about a lot, and that's West Ham. Um, and the reason why I want to speak about West Ham is because there's been a lot... I feel like the noise has always been there regarding um, David Moyes and the fans wanting him out, but I feel like it's reached a fever pitch, maybe? It's definitely reached a point where it's almost unnoticeable, un, uh, undeniable, in a sense, from a more like... From a, from a neutral or a non-West Ham perspective. They, of course, lost 2-0 to Nottingham Forest over the weekend. They have not won a game in the league since December, in which they beat Arsenal 2-0 um, at the Emirates, which was pretty, which was a pretty um, insane result. Um, and then, funny enough, the, the week before that, they beat United 2-0 as well. So two really good results back-to-back for them in December, but they have not won since. And funny enough, they have suffered a loss to... Um, they've suffered a loss to United... 3-0, Arsenal 6-0, and now Forest 2-0, and it's almost reached a little bit of a, of a fever pitch kind of... I wouldn't say Stormonic take-up, but it's, it's it's reached a big... Fa- it's reached a fever pitch, the, the Moyes out train. And um, there's been a lot of interesting discourse. I think that's probably the word that you can use to describe it. A lot of interesting discourse, because it's not like... Uh, it's it, So... It's, this is a really weird kind of nuanced kind of topic to discuss because it's not like West Ham are performing poorly. Like, they're, I think, 8th in the league. Yeah, granted, they haven't won in in almost two months, right? But they're, what, still 8th in the league, if I'm not mistaken? Like, ninth. They're 9th in the league. They're 9th they're in the league. They're, they're, well, they're 8 points of European places, which with with 13 games to go is more than achieve, more than catch-upable, right? Granted, the goal difference is still a bit poor, but, like, they're still doing fine, right? They're still doing. They're still doing well. Um, like, like, like they're still doing well. They're through to the not the next round, the round after of the Europa League. They they won their group. They only lost one game in a group that included Freiburg, who are a pretty good side, Olympiacos, who are who are a not bad side that have some good players. So they were able to breeze past that group quite well. Um, and they're still are they still in the cup? No, they they lost in the cup to to Bristol, which is probably another reason why the the kind of backlash against Moisa started, but. Last year they won the last year they won the U- European Conference League, which was a big result for them. Their first ever European trophy. I just want to like double check, make sure that I'm right, because I know West Ham fans will definitely um, correct me. Um, will definitely correct me in that. But um, yeah, so regardless of, of like whether it's first, second or third, winning, winning a European trophy for any club is good. And for a club like West Ham, who have been, especially since I've been alive, have been that kind of 
I wouldn't say yo-yo team like they've been in the championship I think twice in my lifetime but I've really known them as that solid mid-table Premier League club put, floating between that floating between that 8th and 15th 14th area obviously they had that one really good season under Southern Village with Payet and or Payet or whatever and um, that that season with like and that and that team with like Zarate and Valencia and like Noble and, and these type of players right the the last year at the Bolin and, and all this stuff so that's probably the Best West Ham team that I can remember before, um, before last year, well, last year maybe even the year before, and then even so they had that period under Moyes where they were battling for, um, they were battling for kind of European places. Obviously, they got into the Conference League and they won the Conference League. It was actually their second ever European trophy. I am mistaken. They won the um the Cup Winners Cup in '65. So their second ever European trophy, their first one in a long time. So um or their third. They won the Toto Cup as well. Didn't say that the third European trophy. There you go. Um. So, like, regardless, it, it was a massive achievement for them, and it's something that they haven't really had. It's something that they haven't had in a that it's a, it's a it's a level of success that they haven't had in a long time. Because apart from apart from the success in the championship when they've gone down, they haven't had that much success in recent times. So, being able to win not only a trophy but a European trophy for a club like West Ham, who have gone through a really tumultuous time over the past five or so years, basically ever since they moved to the Olympic Stadium. They've had a really tumultuous time with the owners and the on-field performances and the coaches. Obviously, this is David Moyes' second stint. First stint didn't, didn't go too well, and they brought in Pellegrini. He didn't go too well. And it's been a really tumultuous time over the last... Pretty much ever, ever since they sacked Billage and they moved to the Olympic Stadium, it's been a pretty tumultuous time. So they're finally in a position where... They've got some level of stability, at least from an external perspective. It seems like they've got some level of stability. They've got a very, they've got an extremely talented team um, right now. Probably the most overall, like well balanced, talented team that they've got. I know that it's not necessarily performing the best, uh, like right now. But I mean, if you look at the names that they've got, Alvarez, I think he's a very good player, um, and I think he's, I think he's been well. Edson Alvarez, I think he's played fine for them this season. I really like Kudus. Ward Prowse and Bowl, we all know the talents that they've got. Um, and then you've got, you've got players like, I mean, with you've got Ings off the bench, who's a proven Premier League goal scorer. And you've got just a really, in my opinion, talented team that can definitely challenge for like maybe European places, maybe at, 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 the, at the maximum, right? And they, they've shown that they're, not, that they're not afraid to spend that we, within their means, of course, but they are not afraid to spend. And I, I feel the, the discourse around wanting Moise out is very interesting because they haven't performed well, right? They haven't they haven't performed well, especially at, like over recent times, they haven't performed well. So they currently sit ninth, like I said, and they haven't they haven't won a game um since no since just since December. Last year they finished fourteenth and they were relegation battling maybe kind of if you want to call it that they were relegation battle I didn't think they were, I didn't I didn't think that they'll have a realistic chance of going down but at some stages you could probably argue that they were but regardless they stayed up they won the conference league it was great I I feel like a club like West Ham who have had that such who have had such a tumultuous period really need to hold on to stability for as long as they can because they aren't they aren't so how how I how I how I describe this Chelsea for example right Chelsea have built themselves into a position where they've got enough money they're a they've got enough money they've got enough pool and they're a well run a well enough run club 
behind the scenes that they can afford to keep turnover they can afford to keep this turnover advantage up because eventually they'll do well right it hasn't done well it hasn't gone well for them over the past two seasons but like realistically two seasons ago they won the champions league so how 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 harsh can we really judge chelsea right two years ago they won the champions league so well three years ago technically so what you kind of can sit here and say with Chelsea is that, yeah, they keep sacking their managers, but eventually they'll get it right. There's no real massive risk of them falling drastically, right? Whereas West Ham, when they're in a position where they're doing well, when they're in a position where they won the Euro- where they won the Europa League group, they're, they're, they're sitting in the top 10 of the Premier League table, they've got some really good players, they just won a European trophy, they can't. I don't think West Ham are in a position where they can afford to lose that, can lose the manager behind all of that without having a clear kind of, a clear uh, kind of succession plan, but also being well run enough to be stable. And I think West Ham have had, West Ham have done a lot of, West Ham have done a lot of good things over, over recent times, right? But the one thing that they haven't been over recent times is stable. David Moyes has come in. Well, I mean, that's what I was speaking about before. David Moyes has come in. I feel like he's brought a little bit of stability back to that club. In terms of their... Like, is is it pretty? No. Do they, Is their style of football exceptional? No. But right now, they're not in a position where they're going to go down. They're in the, they're in the round 16. Round 16? Yeah. Round 16 of the, of the Europa League. They've got some really talented players who... They've got... Not only do they have really talented players, but they've got really good uh, assets that they can sell if absolutely necessary. Like Kudus is someone that they can sell. Um, Kudus is someone they, that, they, that they can sell, for example, right? And and this is kind of... This is, what, this is what I'm saying. When they're in a position now where they're finally finding a little bit of stability and kind of... How do I do it? Like being tr- entrenched in the league and being entrenched in a position of the league, they... they're not there yet and they're slowly finding that and another example I will use is Southampton right Southampton when I was growing like when I was growing up when I first really started getting into football um, like on a on a kind of unwell basis if we're being honest um well like it's like that 2013 2014 era when like they had lambert and mane and all these players um like graziano pella and shane long and they were like in the top six top seven and they were going really well and i sat there and i thought oh southampton are going to be like a really good premier league team for a long time and then they just fall and now they're in the championship like stuff like that can happen to teams who don't have that stability southampton were good for a period of time and then they felt it, and then they fell off. I reckon Brighton could suffer a similar fate if if shit does hit the fan. I do think that they are a well enough run club that they won't that they'll be able to fix that. But how many times have we seen teams perform really well and then a fall? And I feel like West Ham are in a position where if they do sack Moyes, they could suffer that suffer a similar fate, right? That, that they could suffer a similar fate. I mean, when you look at how Wolves have survived by the scrape of their teeth, really, over the last couple of years and how good they were at the start, well, like when they first came into the league and even Burnley as, Burnley as well is another, is another example of that and Everton as well is another example of that and that's probably a big kind of... Everton, Everton are a big example of that because f- in my eyes, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, Everton were entrenched. They were a top... They were like a 
11th, 12th to 7th, 6th, 5th place team. They were that, and then they fell. And you didn't really think that would happen because of the size and the, the money and the just the profile of them. West Ham could suffer that similar fate. So I feel like it's it would be risky. It would be it would be really risky for them to sack David Moyes. And I personally, like if I was a West Ham supporter, I would not be in the sack David Moyes camp because I feel like what he did last year, granted the performances in the league weren't good, but I mean, you're winning a European trophy, you can't really complain about that. Like I said, they're in the round of 16 of the Europa League. They're still in the top half of the Premier League. They've got some really talented players and some really good assets that means that they almost never going to be in a financially struggling position because they've got players that they can sell, right? I feel like right now David Moyes is implementing a little bit of just stability. It might not be excellent, like excellent stability and a stability that has the the floor of like a top six finish. But if the stability for West Ham is a top 12, top 13 finish, if they can just keep just ticking over, ticking over, ticking over, and then they can finally kick on after that. I don't think right now they're an established team based on where they are in their league position, if that makes sense. Like, like they currently sit ninth place and they're in the round of 16 of the Europa League. I don't think that is where West Ham, on average, are going to be over the next 10 years right now. But if they can maintain that over the next two, three, four years, then I think from that point onwards, that's where they'll be. And I think David Moyes right now is the person to put them in that position. Because I don't think right now, if you sack him, there's a firstly an obvious person to come in and immediately fix things, and also a, a person that won't, if, if shit goes wrong, won't put them in a relegation battle, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know if West Ham fans agree with that. They probably won't, but that's just how I see it from an external perspective. And look, I like West Ham, right? And as a Chelsea supporter, as a Chelsea supporter, probably shouldn't say that. But like, I, I, I really do like West Ham. Like, I, I, I can appreciate them, at least, right? And I, they're always a club that you want them to do well for the league and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, there's just my two cents on West Ham at the moment because I know it's been a big talking point and I feel like it's it's well worth kind of a conversation, definitely. So, look, should they sack him? No, I don't think they should. Will they? I don't think they will either. I, I, I think you can't take for granted what he's been able to do. I, I, I don't think you can. But then again, are West Ham, are West Ham in a position where they can demand more the European champions maybe I doubt it though and I think on a whole they might be European champions but I don't think that they are European champions if that makes any sense they're not established European players they're just European champions might be a weird concept but that's just kind of my two cents on that I think so yeah, that's my take on West Ham because I don't really speak about West Ham surprisingly. Like I do, but like not, not in big kind of talking points because they don't really have like like they just kind of ticked along last year. Um, obviously with the with the Conference League and they just kind of ticked along and even towards the start of this year, like they weren't doing anything special. Like they were just they were just ticking along. So there you go. Um, another thing that I want to speak about in regards to like. Nothing they want to speak about in regards to the Premier League. That is Rasmus Hoyland. Rasmus Hoyland scored a brace um, on the weekend. On the weekend. It was actually last night at the time of recording, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. They beat Luton 2-1. Rasmus Hoyland scores a brace. This is what he's, I think, 
seventh straight game in a goal with a goal. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, yeah, so seven out of his last eight games he has scored in all comps. Um, all of them bar one have been Premier League games. He scored four goals. He scored five goals in his last four Premier League games. Like, like, yeah, like all the Sean Mill stuff is is great, but he like this is something that really not doesn't shit me with Premier League players, but maybe this is actually a case of it being different because one thing that annoys the life out of me, right, is one thing that annoys the life out of me is the in. The, the lack of patience, mainly, in regards to players, um, especially coming from a different league and who are young, they just expect, just because of the price tag, they bang. Straight, straight away, they expect 15 goals, 20 goals for a striker. If they're a winger, they expect 20-goal contributions in the, first, in the like, opening, 20-goal com- contributions in their first season or whatever, right? That annoys me because it takes time for players to, to develop and it takes, it takes time for players to develop into a system it takes time for the confidence to click. It takes time for their play style to click within the team, within the league, and um, new atmosphere, new culture, etc., etc. So when Hoyland came in and didn't really perform, I I watched a couple of United games. I watched him play, and I was like, okay, there's definitely something there. Like there was always something there with Hoyland. There, it was never a oh my god, this guy's a lost cause because he was there was he obviously had a certain level of talent, right? There was obviously a level of talent there, which is like, okay, United have spent this much money on him for a reason. They're thrusting him in the limelight as early as what they did in his his United career for a reason. There's definitely something there. And he was getting opportunities... He wasn't really getting opportunities and then completely fluffing it and completely stuffing it up. Like, he wasn't doing like a Timo Werner, for example. Like, Like, Werner was a person who... Yeah, actually hit the ground running when he actually started off at Chelsea. I think people forget that he played really well when he started at Chelsea. But then like in the maybe second half of his first year he started to underperform and then in the in his second year, he he in like in his second year he was bad, right? And he missed chances. So like he would get chances and miss them. Whereas someone like Hoyland, he wasn't really even getting chances. So the the discourse around him was like is it his fault for not putting himself in the right positions? Because, I mean, United have, I mean, historically anyway, probably ever since ever since Van Persie left, I mean, Ronaldo probably is the outlier rather than the kind of, is the outlier, is the outlier rather than rather than the trend. But, and ever since Ronaldo wasn't, wasn't exceptional for United. Like, he was good, but he wasn't exceptional. Um, he, like, ever since Van Persie, United have not had a striker. Like a good striker. And I mean, even when you look at the likes of Van Persie, Van Persie could create something from nothing. He was a type of striker that could create something from nothing. Rooney was a type of striker that could create something from nothing. Um, even players like Tevez, but before that player, could create something from nothing. Um, it, even if you want to go further back, Van, Van Nistelrooy was just in the right position at the right time. All the time. So United, for the longest time, have, had, have always had strikers who just could score, right? And they went on this hiatus where they didn't, and they bought this new guy who had the world his feet, seemingly. And it just wasn't clicking, wasn't clicking, wasn't clicking. And then all of a sudden, one day, it clicked. And it, it, it looks right now that it's just clicked. Because he's in the right positions. He's taking his chances. And everything everything just seems to be going right for him. Like, 
everything just seems to be going right. right. Like right now for him, everything just seems to be going right. Like I said, he's in the right positions at the right time. He's taking his chances. Every strike of the ball just seems to be clean. Every strike of the ball that's on target seems to be just the perfect weight, the perfect spin, the perfect uh, pace. Everything about what he's doing right now is perfect. And whether or not this is a purple patch, whether or not this is a whether or not this is just his level, we don't know because it's only been like seven weeks or whatever, or however, however long it's been where he's playing at at a good level and he's scoring every week. So he obviously went on this high, went on this drought. Has the the goals have come and they've come in a flurry. Whether or not he can maintain it, I don't know. It's probably a little bit too early to see him carry on this form all the way till the end of the season because he's still got what thirteen games left in the league. But like, if United are going to get top four, or if United are going to at least challenge for it he's going to need to keep producing the level that he is right now for at least 80 from even 90% of the rest of the games for the, for the rest of the season because he's he's the only kind of focal point that has shown any promise this season for united and that is a little bit concerning but also there's a lot of responsibility on him on it on it for him and if he can take it who knows well, who knows what can happen right so um yeah just Maybe maybe it was it was the he found the miracle, he finally found it. Like he scored two goals on the weekend, um, scored over the um, scored the previous week against Villa, scored against West Ham, scored scored and got an assist against Wolves in that um in that um in that Kobe Mayno winner of that of the game. Scored against Spurs and then scored was it the winner against Villa? I think it was the winner. Yeah, it was the winner against Villa. Um, after being two 0 down, yeah. So um, yeah, maybe it's just it's just that fire starter that they needed because he is um, it's just the fire starter that he needed because um, he he was always obviously a he was all always obviously a um, a talented footballer, but could never or just wasn't able to find it, and now he has found it. So so good on him in in my in my humble opinion. <laughs> Okay, now I want to move on and do just speak briefly on the League Cup final. Um, obviously Chelsea versus Liverpool. I'll be watching it from from Perth. Um, oh, please win, please win, because it would be the funniest. It'd be the funniest thing ever. Like, like I th- I think there's a precise. Th- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with three percent chance that we win. Um. 3% chance that we win. And that 3% has come from... The reason why I've got that is because I think Liverpool are a better team. Liverpool are in better form. Liverpool have better cup experience, especially League Cup final experience. And they are a team that are playing like it's their last game every single game for their coach. And that's something that I can't kind of relate to our players. So, it's a very scary time. It's a very scary time for um for for Chelsea supporters. Look, I don't know how we're going to approach the game, whether or not we're going to sit back. But like all I do know is that we do play well against teams that like to open up and like to be expensive. Like we got a point against City. Um, we got a point against City twice this season. We got a point against Arsenal. We beat Spurs. Got a point against Liverpool in our opening game. Granted, we lost to the four one in the reverse fixture, but. Like we have shown that against teams that can, against teams that 
push up and, and try to play football and try to play expansive, we can capitalise because I think we're very good at, at exploiting space. I think that's something that that we can do quite well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Nervous, but quietly confident that we might be able to do something, but also very, very conscious of the fact that if we lose, it's probably expected. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and... I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's something. It's like something's going to happen that's not going to happen. If that makes sense, I'm not going to sit here and say that yeah, we're definitely going to win when we're not. I'm not going to sit here and say that we're definitely going to lose because we're probably not definitely going to lose. Um, no, Allison for them is a big loss, but I don't really think it matters because every keeper that is not that every every second choice keeper that we verse ever just decides to turn into prime Manuel Neuer. So I really don't think that's an issue. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well for us. I'm nervous, but confident. If I have to give a prediction, head says 3-1 Liverpool. Heart goes with 2-1 Chelsea in extra time. Is that, there's, there's extra time, extra time in the final, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, no, there should be. Yeah, there'd have to be extra. Yeah, no, there's definitely extra time in the final. I'd be, yeah. There'd have to be extra time in the final. There's no way it goes straight to pens. Um, yeah, 2-1 in extra time. Get goal scorers. I'm going to go with... Diaz. No, I, I reckon Palmer scores early, like first 10 minutes. Just we, we shock them. Diaz at about the 63rd minute. And then we hit him on the counter with the Nicholas Jackson goal in the 84th minute, and then we just hold on for the last six minutes. Six or seven minutes. That's that's what I reckon. Fingers crossed. Very, very much fingers crossed. Come on, Chelsea. Just win, for God's sake. All right, let's move on, and let's, let's take a trip back down under and speak about some Australian football. Um, and speak about some Australian football. A lot of things have happened in the A-League recently. I want to speak on... I want to speak on victory. I want to speak on victory. Um, so we drew... So... We lost last week. Um, the The first home game, the first home game that I didn't attend, we lost. So sorry, everyone, my fault. Um, and then I obviously went to the derby on the weekend, nil nil. Hmm. Look, I look, I, I, I still, I, I still firmly believe that we are the best team in it. I, 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 I genuinely. I, I gen, I genuinely, I genuinely, Jesus Christ, I genuinely believe that victory is still the best team in it. I think, well, in on a whole and holistically, victory are the best team in it. But this glaring inability to score goals is, it's it's scary because this is one of the more talented victory teams I've ever watched. Right? I mean, the ability, like the midfield and the front. I mean, fully fit, fully fit the front six that we play. Whether it's Brimar, Teague, Macha, Zizu, Jesus Christ. Whether it's Brimar, Teague, Zizu, Arzani, Nish, Bruno, or whether Falami's there, or whether even Icon's there, or even even Khalifi, or um, or Monge, or whoever it is, or Bonavasia when he when he eventually comes, who whoever it is. I still think it is the most talented victory team that I've seen play in a, in a while, personnel-wise, and I think and I think 
structure-wise, and I think like the way that we play football is definitely there. Like the the ability to create chances is not it's not not there. It's just the the lack of ruthless cutting edge finishing is the issue. Is the issue, and I and I'm almost scared, right? I'm almost scared to a certain extent because, like I said, this is one of the more this is one of the more talented victory teams I think I've ever seen, right? Especially from a personnel perspective, and I still, like I said, I still genuinely think that we are the best team in it. But if we waste this season with the players that we've got because we are so heavily reliant on one guy to score goals, it would be such a shame. Like, such a shame. We could have easily gone undefeated this season, right? I, th- I think the, the the season so far has definitely showed that. The loss against MacArthur was extremely unavoidable. It was, it was, sorry, it was extremely avoidable. Like, the loss against MacArthur was extremely avoidable. There was just this lack of connection in the front third that has been there in previous weeks. Like, the, the 3-0 win um, early on in the season against Sydney in December was exhilarating football. We scored four goals against Western Sydney. The The performance against Adelaide, the 2-0 win at home, was really good. Like, we've shown before that we do have the ability to break through and eventually find a way to, to score. It's just dried up drastically over the last couple of weeks. And the inability to... The inability to dominate teams in the final third is very concerning. It's very concerning and it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. I don't know. I don't know what the fix is, but like this, this could have gone from an all-time season for victory, finishing first, winning the winning the finals comfortably, to a season where we are scrapping and clawing for top four, even top two, and we're in a position where we probably don't beat some teams like do we beat Wellington away from home in the finals I don't know do we beat like like Central Coast away from home I don't know I don't know and 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 that's that's concerning that's concerning very but I, I I hope it's not an I hope it doesn't become an issue but I think I don't I think it might I genuinely think it might um, that's just my rant on victory because the derby was the same derby was the same dominating 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 Chances cleared off the line, hitting the post, um, hitting the post, just fluffing chances, everything going well, but nothing, nothing, no fun, no end product, which is a shame. Um, I want to say on to the A League and speak briefly about Western Sydney. Um, Western Sydney make me laugh. Western Sydney make me laugh a lot. Um, so obviously you had Mark Rodan tee off post the MacArthur Western Sydney game. Then you had him double down the week after. Then you have him get a two-match two touchline ban. And then you have Western Sydney hold up a banner saying that they, saying that they were punished for the truth. I don't, know, I don't know who needs to hear this, really. Realistically, I don't know who needs to hear this. But your club is not that important where there is an agenda against your club by the league. The league probably aren't even that competent enough to set up an agenda against your club, right? They aren't that smart. They aren't that good at what they do, guys. Let's let's be real, right? And the carry-on, the banners, the doubling down in press conferences, the, the touchline bands, it goes to show how how funny this league is, man. 
It is hilarious. I, this is why I love it. This is why I love this league because it, it just carries on, it carries on, it carries on. And look, is Mark Rodan right? No, he's not. He's not. Does he have some merit in what he says? To a certain extent, I don't I don't think the standard of refereeing in this country is good at all. I do think that's a product of the external factors, though. I think the fact that there are less and less referees starting, or like less and less referees doing it at a younger age because of the abuse, because of all of everything that's happened, right? Because of the abuse, because of the the lack of funding, lack of facilities, etc. It, it it we we are getting to a point where now the the standard refereeing is getting lower because the talent pool is getting lower. The bigger the talent pool, the better the quality. The lower the talent pool, the lower the quality. That's just how it works. And it it, it having a coach double down in in his press conference about it isn't a good thing. However, it does need to be called out. So it's a real it's a real catch twenty two situation where. You don't want to abuse the referees because you don't want them to be under more scrutiny than what they are because that just lowers the quality down. That just lowers the quality. But you also don't want them to just get a free pass when the quality isn't up to scratch. So it's it's a it's a real catch twenty two situation. It, it is it is a real catch twenty two situation. I I don't know what is going to happen, what they're going to do um, in the future. With it all, I don't know how strict they're going to be regarding officials and, and the abuse that they get because, like, realistically, realistically, what more can they do? And what more can we... Because it, because it is their problem that they need to fix. They can they can uh, stop people calling out the problem, but they need to fix the problem so that there has, there's no opportunity to call them out, if that makes sense. I don't know. It was just a really funny and interesting kind of each situation that has occurred um, that... I think definitely that I thought needed to be spoken about. But yeah. Um, anything else? Any other A-League happenings? Of course, victory play again on 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 um, Tuesday. Tuesday night, which will be um which will be fascinating. Um victory play again on Tuesday night, which will be fascinating. So I'll probably go to that game. Um which will be interesting going to a soft game on Tuesday night, but there you go. Um hopefully the, the traffic isn't gonna be too bad. But yeah. Um anything else? Obviously victory for the fourth. Wellington, top of the tree, five points clear. Central Coast, then MacArthur, then victory. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, is that? I think that's it. I think that's. I think that's all from. Um, I think that is all from myself for this week. We'll do we'll do a quick preview of the Champions League games that have happened that are going to happen this week. Inter versus Atletico. I'll go Atletico win one nil. PSV versus Dortmund. I think will be a two all draw. Porto versus Arsenal, I think Arsenal win that 1-0. And Napoli versus Barca, I think Barca win that. No, I think it's a one-all draw. And then a bunch of Europa League games, which I can't build going through. The Matildas play on the weekend as well against Uzbekistan in their first leg of the Olympics qualifier, the final leg of the Olympics qualifying round, or the first leg of the final round of the Olympics qualifier. Um, Obviously, no Sam Kerr. Fucking heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I don't know if I addressed that on this podcast, but heartbreaking. Um... What's the squad quickly? Um, please be, please be the pin tweet. That's not the pin tweet. Um, uh, Harper Gary did an unbelievable squad announcement. By the way, I thought that was just, just awesome. Um, for those who didn't see it, go and find it. I, I can't find the squad right now. But regardless, the squad from memory is pretty much the same, just without Kerr. So expect probably, probably. F- 
probably Fowler to play as that false nine, to be honest. I don't know if they'll move forward centrally or they'll play Fowler as, as the as the nine and then move another midfielder in. I don't know what they'll do. But it, regardless, Uzbekistan should be able to get the job done over two legs, even though the first leg is away. I think the first leg is away anyway. Um, yeah, the first leg is away from home. They should get the job done. Right? Uzbekistan's a hard place to go, even for the men. But they should get it done, realistically. Okay, I think that is all. Thank you very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Soccer Podcast. I've been your host, Sarah Sonatakos. Appreciate you all sticking around if you have. If this is your first time around, make sure you stick around for the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Joining me, I should say. Um, but yeah, thank you all very much for watching. Go Chelsea. Please win. Um, and yeah, stay well, stay safe. Stay well, stay safe. Um, I'll speak to you next week when I will definitely be very tired because I would have just gone been on a five-hour flight from Perth. Um, and I would either be really happy or really sad that Chelsea are League Cup champions or bought another trip to Wembley. See you guys soon. Stay well, stay safe. Goodbye.